Hello, and welcome to another Thursday deep dive episode of The Final Third. My name is Jack. I'm a fan of Minnesota United. Right? This past weekend. Chelsea. The same result, actually. Same exact scoreline. Atalanta yet to play, and the French and U.S. national teams. And I'm joined here today with AJ. Yes, I'm AJ Tour. I'm the other co-host, a fan of Minnesota United, uh, West Ham United, U.S. national teams, which pretty interesting uh, on both ends. You know, we, we got we got a, a dual national to commit to us, Tillman. And on the other side, the women's side, they got the new CBA, equal pay after how many years of fighting for that? That's cool. But pertinent to this episode, I'm also a fan of Minneapolis City and Minnesota Aurora, the new uh, USLW League uh, team that's starting up here in uh, just this month, actually. In, in literally uh, seven days is their, yeah. their inaugural game. So we're going to be talking about a little bit about that. But Jack, this is our deep dive episode. Obviously, we talk about a particular topic or a broad topic and we go and we dive really deep into that and talk about that particular topic in the soccer world. So Jack, today, what are we going to be talking about? Well, we're going to be talking about Minnesota soccer because that's where we're from and where we live. So it makes sense that we talk about the place where we live, you know? Yeah. uh, And we're really excited to talk about it. We don't know if this is going to be an every week thing for the summer or not. This summer in particular is going to be, I'm not going to say a quiet uh, you know, summer, because when is it ever going to be quiet in the soccer world? Uh, but in general, compared to last summer, when we had like the Copa America and then the Euros and then the Gold Cup, and then we also had Nations League at the beginning, and then the preseason came up right away. Like this is this summer is going to be nothing like that, really. And so we're, we're filling up some time, probably going to do some other episodes. But, you know, if you are from Minnesota, welcome. I know I know we have a, a big Minnesota contingent. So we're going to be talking about Minnesota soccer at least this week, maybe in, in the future if this gets some traction. But also, if you're not into Minnesota soccer, still stay a while because I would like to believe that our personalities uh, make up the difference there. I hope uh, so. I, I hope so. Hope so. Uh, Glad to be back doing Thursday episodes at the very least. I'm glad to be back on. Jack is a, a little baby to, to Minnesota United, but uh, I, I would say that Jack's fandom rivals even the biggest super fans. Jack, would you say so? Probably. Uh, I'm maybe not the biggest super fans, but nah, give yourself I'll, credit. I'll, yeah, okay, yeah. Fine. I'll give myself a little credit. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, am really happy to talk about Minnesota United. Not exactly happy to talk about some of the recent results. Uh, We'll start with this past weekend against Seattle Sounders at Lumen Field, which going into this game, we were 0 for 6. That's right. We had not gotten a single point in Lumen Field, previously CenturyLink Field, in the entirety of our MLS existence since 2017 and did Jack, that change? Did, yeah, I was gonna ask. Did, did that record change? <laughs> uh, no, no, it didn't. It no. really didn't. Not at all. And and Jack, you know why it hurts even more? Uh, Be- because uh, I, I know you, you didn't watch the, the game super closely, but I, I was listening to it, and it was on ESPN, and the commentators just kept on bringing up the fact that in December 2020, there just so happened no, to be they, a game they there. They love to bring it up. They, they to bring always it up. bring it up against Seattle. It's their favorite thing to bring up. 
and they brought up the record against uh, Seattle in Lumen Field. And it was like, oh, they got zero wins. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's it's just so embarrassing. <laughs> so obviously we are going to talk about that a little bit, starting, of course, with some of the goals. Uh, and we go on to you know some of the other things. Uh, the first, of course, uh, was Minnesota United actually scoring first. And I was really excited. It, it was kind of a freak goal. It, it was a cross in uh, New Who, who is uh, a Cameroonian defender for Seattle Sounders. Didn't do a really great job uh, collecting the ball. Kind of had a, a very bad touch. Maybe wasn't expecting it. And it kind of bounced behind him where Robin Ludd, who started as our false nine alongside a front four of Don Lottie, our star Reynoso, and... Uh, Last year's signing, Fragapane, uh, uh, Ludd was there, and he scored it. Uh, Jack, any thoughts on this goal? Uh, you know, Robin Ludd works well as in that position, and he's a good poacher, you know? Yes. If, if you get across into the box, it's not often that he misses a clear opportunity like that. And I say not often because we'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to we'll that. We'll get to it, yeah. Jack, in general, how do you feel about Ludd being our kind of false nine right now because he started in this match false nine. He started a little bit in the the past few weeks, uh, including uh, some minutes, of course, against LA Galaxy in the midweek. So how how do you feel about him being our de facto number nine right now? I mean, it's where he plays best. It's hard to argue with the results, right? Uh, Past two games, two goals from him. So... It's it's kind of difficult to say, like, no, we, we should we should move him out wide or, or something like that, because whenever he plays in that position, he tends to do really well. And maybe that's just because, you know, he he happens to be in the position to score more of the goals than he would be on the wing. Yeah. But I also think it's just that he works really well there. He he has good dribbling for the most part. He can he can get it. He makes good runs. It makes sense for him to play it. And also. I'm just a big fan of Robin Ludd in general because I know uh, my, my Zoom name here uh, is Robin Ludd on Suomalainen and Yumala, which means Robin Ludd is a Finnish god. Because and I stand by that because he is fantastic, uh, and I don't think there's there there's a better Finnish player. Yeah, no, you know there's no better Finnish player than him. Who who could even who could even come up against him? No one exactly. Uh, I I can think of one player. And his name is Yuka Raitala. You thought I was going to say Fuki. I wasn't. I wasn't. No, no, no Team Fuki gets relegated every other season. He, yeah. He's, yeah. come on. He Has Robin Ludd ever been relegated? There we go. See? I, I don't know, actually. I can't <laughs> I, even I don't think he has. I don't so. know. Yep. So, I don't know. Robin Ludd, zero relegations. Team Fuki, like, what, 27? You know? I, yeah. I, the numbers speak for themselves. No, well, he's going to win Golden Boot next year in the championship, get promoted, and then get relegated <laughs> again. So, that's exactly. just him. Exactly. So. That's just his career. That's his entire career. I'll stand with you. Ludd is a good player. And I'll say that, can I say that he's probably been one of our most consistent players in the past two seasons? Yes, yeah. he had, like, a slow start to 2020, but 2021 and even now in 2022 i think has been very good even i'd say more consistent than maybe even emmanuel reynosa which might be heresy but you know you're 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 definitely right on that i think uh 
Yeah. The, the goals speak for themselves. The fact that he has a good output every single uh, game or thereabouts is pretty good. And he got a goal here. Of course, that isn't where the goals ended. Uh, unfortunately, that's where it ended for Minnesota United. Seattle Sounders uh, scored then three unanswered goals. Uh, first off in, in the second half, Roldan running into the box gets pinched by both. Uh, Debassi and Coleman and draws the penalty. Of course, uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz, one of the best strikers in the league, scores. I, I am kind of upset uh, for Debassi and Coleman, not necessarily because of the penalty, just because I'm mean, not even upset at them. I'm just like upset, like like our defense has probably been the the best part of our uh team this entire season like it, when you look at the year on year since 2017 2022 is still the best uh year in terms of goals against and we, we are now after you know uh la galaxy game spoiler alert we are now tied for the most penalties conceded so with three there's a lot of other teams on the list but you know that's tough whatever jack anything to say about this goal uh, about the Rui Diaz goal, I mean, it's a it's a decent penalty. Dane St. Clair almost saves it too. Yeah, he, Dane he gets Saint a hand Claire, to it. Dane St. Clair, who's had a pretty good record uh, thus far, sa- saved a saved a penalty against yeah Raul Rui Diaz in the first game of last season. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, couldn't do it here. Maybe the fans got to him. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he he came close. He was he was decent. He's. He's saved. He, he, I think he has like a a thirty five percent save percentage or something mm-hmm. for penalties. Yeah, which uh, is not just really for penalties, good. but he he's definitely been on top of the list for goalkeepers in a lot of stats. I, I think including yeah save percentage. So it, we got a shot stopper on our hands. Unfortunately, that didn't come into handy too much this game. Even though he d- didn't have a terrible game, but he still let in. Uh, for the th- the third goal of this game, a Roldan turn and shoot goal from way out. It won MLS goal of the week for good reason. Listeners, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. I I can't really fault anyone uh, for this goal. Maybe they like the defenders uh, that were marking uh, Roldan should have gotten to him, but it it, it was just a wild shot and. I, I, you kind of just throw your hands up to that, huh? I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful goal. I he, here's the th- I, it it might sound kind of weird, but I don't mind conceding a goal like that because, like, what what are you gonna do to stop that? You you don't stop those. Yeah, like there, there's some goals where you just realize it's not being stopped regardless of what you do, and that that one dipped a little bit as well. It, it curved in the air too, so I. I thought it was a beautiful goal, so mm-hmm. you know what? Yeah. Fine, you know what? I I don't mind. I don't mind seeing a beautiful goal. <laughs> it was it was a point one two xg according to a foot mob that one goal. Uh, unfortunately, we we let another goal in, and that was uh, Lodero in the ninety plus fourth minute. Yeah, that one it. was that one. You can fault. <laughs> yeah, that one you can fault. The, the defense, uh, was was kind of like overworked. Obviously, we're, we're throwing uh, people up, uh, up. so it, it was like a, a counter, and we got caught off guard. Roldan completes the—I I don't even know what to call it. it it's, a, it's a hat-trick of some sorts, a drawn penalty, a goal, and an assist, because he set up Lodero. Great game from him. Definitely a man at the match, but 
not a great game for Minnesota United, who I believe uh, after at the conclusion of this game, yeah, made it three goals, uh, three games in a row that they lost in MLS regular season play. And w- w- when you look at uh, some of the moments from this game, uh, I-, I know Jack didn't watch uh, it, it super closely, so I-, I guess I can speak on this a little bit more. It, it just seemed like a game where the the chances were sometimes being made, but the uh, the just attacking schemes were just bad. Uh, one of the moments that stuck out to me was in the 25th minute, L- uh, there was a corner, and Ludd tried to head it, and it was saved. And, you know... Y- I'm not going to fault him because it wasn't like that. That was a, a huge, uh, incredibly high XG chance. But, you know, that kind of goes to show like our best chances have been a lot through uh, through set pieces through the beginning of the year. A lot of our goals came through set pieces. The fact that only one or two of our goals through the first five or so games were from penalties, were from set pieces. And I, I think those, that was one of our best chances. And yes, play to your strengths. But then there are a lot of maybe bad parts of our game from open play that need some, need some attention being put on them. Like, like, I think the biggest discrepancy between Seattle's attacking prowess and our attacking prowess comes from the fact that they pounced on that Lodero goal against tired legs, against a, a man advantage going back. We hit them on a four-on-two counterattack in the second half. And you think, okay, this is a chance. We can at least get a shot here. Maybe maybe it gets saved, whatever. Maybe it goes in. Maybe it goes out for a corner. But we are in, in, in the advantage here. And Ariaga bottles it. He, he, he uh, kind of just passes it or, or runs into a defender, and the ball gets dispossessed from us. And that's kind of like the at- attacking, uh, attacking prowess that we... I think are lacking in terms of having a scheme that works, having players that understand what their role is, where they need to be, uh, what needs to be done, and where they need to be able to run in order to make those goals happen. And, and it's it's currently not happening there. Uh, and I think that's also highlighted from the fact that during Ludd's goal, uh, and I, I can't take credit for this, it, it's uh, at Brandon Hunt 2 on Twitter, they released a uh, some photos that highlighted the different locations in where players were for that goal and some other goals. And Abu Danladi, who I mentioned, you know, was in that front four for Minnesota United, was all the way back in the midfield. Like he 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 was not making a secondary run into the box, a late run into the box, and he was like that for a lot of the game. And you could say that may be on him. I would venture a guess that that's probably what Adrian Heath asked him to do in order to maintain shape, in order to maintain defensive capabilities. But though, that's what I mean when I say like these attacking schemes aren't necessarily as uh, efficient, as as effective in creating chances, in getting players the shots that they need, especially away from home, where we got decimated in Seattle, both in XG and in the actual goals. Uh, Jack, I, I I know we both harped on this attack before, and we have our, our opinions on this. What do you think about our kind of floundering attacks? I think that I think that is our biggest weakness this season thus far. Yeah, well, I have a suggestion for fixing it because there's been one common theme 
uh, through all of these attacking formations that, you know, people have said, like, you know, the, it hasn't worked out. And do you want to know what the common missed out, missed threat is? What is it? It's Adrian Unu. Where okay. is he? Why, like, why, why, why not give him a chance? He's a designated player, is he not? Yeah, exactly. If, if our attack is not going well, why not give him a chance? Like, how, how many minutes has he played? This, he's played in seven games. I, this I, I just have a, a, the total. Not, yeah, it's 96. It, it's 96, yeah. He has played in seven games, but one ninety. but that's not, he started one game. Yeah. I think that we should, here, here's what I would really like to see, and I think it would be interesting. A two-striker formation, kind of. Like, you could, ha, when we're on it, an attack, have Unu and Lud play up top. So, it, it basically, in attack, it, 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 in defense, transition, all that, 4-2-3-1. But when it gets to an attacking phase, do a 4-2-2-2. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I needed to remember how many twos were, were needed there. Uh, I think that that would be good because Lud plays well on that fall as a false nine in attack. And Unu does well when he plays alongside another striker. So why not allow both of our players to play to their strengths and actually get use out of a DP that sits on a bench? I, I agree that we should... Uh establish Unu as a more uh, uh, played player in our current game plan right now. My question with that, because I've seen this a lot, actually. I, I've seen a lot of suggestions for a two-striker two striker scheme on Reddit, on Twitter. My question is, where does Reynoso factor into this? D does he play on the wings? Does he play or, or for a 4-2-2-2 is it more he plays centrally in the half spaces like like where because we need to play Reynoso, but we oh, yeah. also can't have him play in that double pivot because he let's be honest, he's not going to track back. Well, no, that that's that's where he would play. He would play in the second set of twos. So okay. the way I envision that is not like out wide. Have them play more centrally like so I, I think like Reynoso and paired with either. I don't know. Uh, pro probably Rosales or Fragapane. Okay. I, I'm not sure if Lonwane could play there. It, maybe he could. I I think he he is better as a substitute so far this season. But uh, so that's why I say play four two three one most of the time. But when you want to attack later on, like especially if Unu's on the field, shift into that formation and overload through the center. Because the issue that I, I've noticed a lot with uh, with some of our play, our our fullbacks like to get forward, and they they do a pretty good job at, at creating stuff. Kimar Lawrence has been good. O'Neill Fisher has been good. But let's face it, they're also getting up there in age, and they get outpaced a lot, mm -hmm. which leaves our defense, which is already also old, trying to cope with that. So instead, it, by playing like this in attack. We allow, you know, to overload through the center because that kind of plays to our strengths, doesn't it? Like instead right. of instead of forcing our fullbacks to go all the way up the field and put in a cross. I, I think that that could be good. Play off of each other in the center, because when you have Reynoso, who's very good at setting things up from the center of the field, use that to your advantage. 
All right. All right. Interesting. I personally have a different opinion. Uh, I, I think it comes down more to less formation and more personnel and how we use them. Uh, but I will talk about that a little bit more after we talk about the LA Galaxy games. I think that makes more sense to talk about it there. Uh, to close out the Seattle game, uh, three accurate crosses this entire game for us, 13% success rate, which I think goes into uh, the fact that our attack, we talked about it before, has become a little stale, predictable, dribble, dribble, lose possession or cross. Uh, and we had 0.45 XG in second half, which kind of signals that we at least in that game got figured out by Schmetzer and Seattle. Unfortunately, the likes of, you know, Morris, Lodero, Rusnak, they all had really good games against us, which is, you know, sometimes you could stop that, sometimes you can't. I just feel like we could have done more in the attack, and we, we've given our, some of our suggestions on how to fix that. Uh, and, and some of it did get fixed against LA Galaxy on Wednesday, a Wednesday night, because we created a lot of chances during that match. Probably, it's probably in terms of creating chances, the best match of the season thus far. 2.69 total XG, and in the first half, that was 1.85 XG. Like, we were peppering shots in. It was 17 shots uh, to 12 and it just wasn't meant to be. It ended up being one-to-one. -one. And when the old uh, adage is win at home, draw away, it, 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 it's hard to really swallow this pill. Yet somehow it is also pretty understandable. Like uh, J Jonathan Bond, LA Galaxy's goalkeeper, had an absolutely insane, insane game. I want to say I had five or six saves. Yeah, six, six saves. Yeah. And at least, like, four of those came from the first half, at least. Like, there were so many good shots. And the story of this game is that we couldn't finish to save our lives. And what's funny is that I feel like... I feel like we should have scored at least three or four, given yeah. the chance that we had. Like, uh, to talk about the goals real quick, Boxel handball... <clears throat> I, I'm not fully convinced. <laughs> uh, Here, here's, here's the thing that's interesting. Jack, because I, I want to say first, Jack was tweeting about this all game long, how much he didn't like the ref. He was bad. I, I agree. I think the handball was a handball. I think no. the penalty was a penalty. No, I, I don't think so. No. His, hand is, his hand is by his body. Where else does he put his hand? Where else does he put it? I mean, if you okay, let's say you're jumping for the ball and, and like your hand moves, your arms move up when you jump for the ball. Yeah, that's that, that, that that's still like, like, oh, we're going to put your arms on you jump. Like, you could, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like the hands influence it. It's an unnatural possession. I think a Kendra said it best. Like, it is what it is, you know? No, I, 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 I want an audit of the ref's bank accounts. That, that's okay. what I want. I, I don't know. Okay. There were some questionable decisions throughout this entire no, game. There was. There should have been, I feel like, more cards, especially for LA Galaxy. There, there were some pushes uh, out there, and there, was, there, there, were, there were just not a lot of calls uh, being there, called. There were times when LA Galaxy players fouled our players, and they got the call every time. Yeah. Like who? I I can't remember exactly who it was. It was Kevin Cabral 
Who yeah, did. yeah, I, I know exactly so, what you're saying. Yeah, he he was running, he was running for the ball. He steps on our player's foot and then somersaults over, and the refs like free kick to LA. And I'm like, well, this yeah, is what v, this is what VAR is for. This is what it should. Yeah, like, and now we check, have, the, check it slightly. And now we have VAR that's centralized in Atlanta, uh-huh. suspicious location, I should say. Yeah, and, and it's still oh, it's still bad, checking. and it's still bad. <laughs> nah, nah, okay. I should say again I don't disagree with the penalty I disagree with a lot of the other calls again I think that there should have been more than one yellow card there's been there's a single yellow card for LA Galaxy uh against uh uh Ravelson and I I just don't think that was uh enough uh but it it question converts it he was the sub he got subbed off later because he got injured uh and then we scored of course Robin Ludd getting assisted by dj taylor now to, to speak on the the lud goal crazy goal like allianz field for a, a midweek game was absolutely bumping like i, I was watching on tv and like whenever whenever it's a bad uh, a bad decision like you heard like this the booze like people were singing people were chanting for for like w- w- whatever reasons were, were going on and not like chanting like oh wonderwall was leading a chant like it just seemed like just be like a natural like everyone was just coming together which is really really cool to see again on a wednesday night and they absolutely blew up when this lud goal went in jack talk about it because yeah it was really good uh lud just makes the right run uh he comes into the box a little bit later than everyone else dj taylor finds him it's a really good cutback by the way from dj taylor like he he could have crossed it in pretty straight he makes a smart decision to cut it back lud arrives hits it in it's a it's a good goal uh it's it's the exact kind of goal that we expect robin lud to score like I, I don't think you can. It's you couldn't a very make a Robin Ludd goal. You couldn't make a better, more accurate Robin Ludd goal in a lab like that. That's it's just it's exactly what you expect from him. Uh, and it makes up for the horrendous miss that he had earlier in the yeah, game. Yeah, are you talking about in like the the first half, late first half, or yeah, forty second minute? Fast yeah. break. It was a one on one. Literally, just him and Bond. Bond doesn't even save it. He he, uh, he just skies it right yep, over. Right over. It, it was it was pretty bad. It's pretty bad. And, and that speaks to our lack of finishing this game because it, it was a very good goal from Lud. Not going to take that away. I, I I was I was jumping up and down in, in my, my room and I was watching it. But there were so many misses, not just from Lud. Got to give him credit. And while we had the chances. It just seemed like something in our players just wasn't clicking. And and a lot of that was Bond making a lot of good saves. But in the 37th minute, uh, Fragapane had a very close miss. Uh, in the in the stoppage time in the first half, Longwane, who has had a, a, a rough couple of games, especially when he starts, but he had a one-on-one, gets saved by Bond. Uh, and then after that, we, we had, going into the second half... A 1.85 xg zero goals and a lot of those uh, those chances were either complete misses or relatively easy saves for a uh, bond and so i i feel like the finishing could have been better there 
And then after that, we let LA Galaxy kind of grow into the game because we weren't able to capitalize on those missed chances. They ended up getting a 2.32 XG in the second half. Like, and that's what screwed us over in the FC Cincinnati game where we let in a stoppage time goal. We had the chances to kill the game off, to score, to win the game, to kill the game off. And we didn't, and FC Cincinnati grew into the game, and we're lucky that we were able to respond to when LA Galaxy got their chance. Uh, and we're very lucky that in the 64th minute, Araujo had one of the more insane misses that I've ever seen. Uh, one of the more higher XG oh misses that I've seen. 0.85 was his miss. They were a cross that came in. He was pretty much unmarked. Poor marking. He's one yard out. He's one yard out. Uh, I should say Dane St. Clair, who has had a pretty good game, obviously didn't save the penalty, but he, but, but Dane St. Clair was on the other side of the goal. Like, like he, like he, he, he was out of position there. Araujo literally just had to tap it in, put zero power on it and and just tap it in, skies it up into the brew hall. Yep. Crazy. It was crazy. That, that was, uh, who was the player that in the Premier League that missed? It was Kevin De Bruyne who missed like a, a chance like one yard out a few years back. It w- I think it was worse than that one, honestly. Yeah, uh, but it, it was really bad. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, nobody's going to talk about that because it it wasn't you know Manchester City missing. Even though you know LA Galaxy might as well be the not Manchester City because they're not actually good. Like the the United at this point, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know those were those were like the big moments where I, I can see like a we had a lot of of chances that we kind of bobbled that we kind of missed that we just couldn't get into the back of net, which has been the story of the season so far. And we also were let off pretty easy for some of those goals that probably should have been from LA Galaxy. Jack. I this is where I talk a little bit about how we fix things and why I think we are at this spot in terms of bad attack because because we are again in the best spot we are defensively mm-hmm. but in terms of attacking this is one of our worst seasons in on par with 2021 which was also a pretty bad attacking season so 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 Jack are you ready for me to talk a little bit about this? And yeah, I'm I'm, I'm interested to hear what your feel free plan to is. call me an idiot. Okay, uh, because okay. this is I'll where keep I, this in mind. <laughs> this is where I think a lot of our issues in the past two past couple games have come in, as well as the past few seasons. Jack, I'm gonna ask you a question. I want to hear your answer. Who has replaced Kevin Molino? Not 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 like not like like player for player. I mean. In terms of output and quality, who has been that guy? Uh, no one, I think, is is the answer that that you're leading towards, at least. But it's also the answer. <laughs> who, who has replaced Ozzy Alonso in terms of leadership and grit in the midfield? You you could say it's you could say it's beginning to look like Ariaga. You can say that it could have been Trap until potentially this couple uh, uh, of games. Ariaga's Ariag been good with the grit, but the leadership and MLS <laughs> experience part, that that's the part that we miss from him, I yes. think. 
who who hey who who who's replaced Christian Ramirez? And I know I know every <laughs> other Minnesota United soccer podcast is always like, oh, Christian Ramirez, we have no striker. It's true though. Jack Jack talked about it earlier this episode where he said Robin Ludd is our best striker and that's his best position right now. That's not to say that we could possibly have a better striker and have Robin Ludd play in a, in a nice you know, a two striker position. It, it just means that our other strikers, even Unu, even uh, even Amaria have played pretty poorly or have not been afforded the chances period. I think we have not had a clinical finisher in our front four, so we have to rely on Ludd, who has, I think, now 21 all-time goals, either tying or being really close to the tying, regular tying season. Tying the yeah. record set by Christian Ramirez and Kevin Molino, I believe. Okay. Or, and Darwin Quintero. Darwin Quintero. I was going to say Darwin Quintero, who... We have actually replaced. Uh, I am happy yeah. to say that we, we have found someone who can replace his creativity with Reynoso. But you look at some of the players that we have, and I don't think any of them are that last ball finishing player. We have players that can set other players up. You know, Fragapane, I think he's lost his speed and explosiveness. Maybe that was from the offseason injury. He can at least, you know, set things up. But last season, he was able to finish those goals. He was able to score. Not anymore. Longwane is raw. He missed a shot earlier against Seattle. You can't really rely on him. Don Lottie is poor, has always been poor. He had that nice goal against Colorado. But outside of that one regular season goal, you know, nothing else. Has a 6.4 foot mob rating. He's really good at creating chances and creating dangerous situations. But... I feel like if we're going to play him, we need to have another player that complements him that can finish those chances. There's no end product in terms of assists and goals there. Reynoso can't do it alone. Our game plan can't just be to pass to Reynoso because he has been figured out. It's no more like the what, like five assists that he had in, in the postseason in 2020. He's still class, but defenders know how to deal with and pressure him off the ball now. Unu, our DP stri- striker, is, according to the new salary releases, the 17th most expensive striker in MLS. Sorry, not not expensive striker, expensive player in MLS. $2.68 million a year. Zero goals, zero assists in 90 minutes. Amaria, our new striker, two goals, not a goal since March 20th. That's been two months. It's clear that we don't have the likes where... Uh, Molino can run behind the defenders and finish a Reynoso assist to score. And we don't have even the leadership like Alonso or Ico Parra had in 2019 and 2020, where they can direct attacks, where they, they can get people into a game plan. And whose fault is this? The players, sure. But Jack, I think the problem happens to be the man that's on the touchline jack we kind of talked about this when we went i, I on, was waiting for you to get to yeah, this conclusion I, I, yeah, I was waiting w- for it when we went on stateside i kind of alluded to this where i was like i'm not convinced about adrian keith last season i was already even preseason i was like adrian Heath. i don't know about this guy i, I don't know I, I i was i was on heath in for pretty much all of 2019 all 2020 and then the the you know beginning twenty twenty one happened. I was like, I don't 
I don't really don't know. I had my doubts before, really don't know. And now I think for this entire season, my heart's been set. Jack, where are you in terms of the Adrian Heath train? Because there's a lot of a lot of debate out there. Uh I I think it might be time for him to go. I nah, think give it, me an answer, Jack. Give me a yes or no answer. I want to hear it. I'm not good at those. <laughs> uh, but it's it's the political I, science major in you. Exactly. I I as a as someone who wants to go into politics, I can't comment directly yes or no on any <laughs> one question. Oh, gosh. Uh, it, go, it goes against the programming. Oh, sorry. Uh, the the education. My bad. Uh, in there. Yeah. Tried to make a joke. That didn't work. It's fine. It's all right. <laughs> uh, but. If I had to pick one, I'd probably say uh, it's time to go. <laughs> it, it probably is. The issue is, I don't think he will, because until uh, what 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 day is the All Star Game? August August eleventh. Yeah. At August twelfth well, comes around, he he gets fired. <laughs> Watch, especially because we're playing Everton in a friendly, which mm-hmm. happens to be the club where he has become an icon at back in the 80s so oh he's he's staying until that game 100 yeah, percent. It's, it's it's confirmed that that game confirmed the the earliest possible date where he could be yeah, fired. That, that's it yeah and, and we we can it's a whole other debate i don't even want to get into adrian heath debate because that's going to be an entire episode in terms of like his his the benefits of keeping it like the 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 good things he's done, the bad things he's done. But I, I think it's Matt Doyle who released an article this past week about Adrian Heath. And he, he wrote about him as a GM because he's also not just the uh, the head coach, but he's the technical director, general manager. He, he gets the players in basically since uh, the 2020 offseason. With notable signings, including Tabasi, Unu, Reynoso, Ariaga, uh, Abila, Unu, or whatever his name is. Abila, Adrian. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Abila. Oh, you're, you're, yes. you're doing two different points. My bad. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Maria, Lawrence, Trapp, uh, O'Neill Fisher, Lawrence, Dunlady, uh, the second time around, Adi, Aguadello, Kamara, Longwane, and Fragapane. And Jack, who is good on that list? Like and I, I mean like more than one season good. Reynoso, uh, Reynoso, um, Debossi, I would say Debossi, as well. Yeah, uh, for sure. I, I'd well, Ariaga, we can't say yet. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, Ariaga is, I think, is the next best choice in terms of someone who I would believe would be good for more than one season. But yeah, uh, a lot, of, a lot of those players did not fix our striker problem, did not fix our old defense problem. Our best defender in this game against LA Galaxy happened to be a, what, 24-year-old DJ Taylor? And I, I wouldn't say that, that that was a huge signing. We, we signed other defenders other than him. We, we, tr- we tried to, to solve issues before here, and that didn't work. We haven't solved the striker issue since even Christian Ramirez. And even hit him didn't find the back of the net all that much. And I think just Heath in general is a, I'm not going to say a bad coach, but his attacking schemes have gotten very predictable. We talk about some of those attacking options. A lot of those attackers kind of lost their sheen after a season or two, after a couple months. Reynoso and Fragapani, I think, are the biggest current uh, 
displays of that. Reynoso had a really good debut season. The, the, the couple months that he was in here, he's, he had so many assists. And then defenders figured him out. Fragapane had an explosiveness in his last year and has been kind of figured out. And it's up to the coach in order to adapt to that and adapt to their weaknesses, adapt to their strengths, and get them back up to speed. But that's just not the case anymore. And I think a lot of the issues from this squad comes back to the players that we have acquired and who's leading them. I, I, I have seen a lot of discourse saying that Minnesota United is not a playoff team. I disagree with that. I think our talents, because, you know, this is a very equal league. MLS parity is huge. It's huge. Like, any team that gets on a good run of form can make the playoffs, can win the cup even. And so I think we're right there with everybody else. I think that our talent level is there in at least to get into the playoffs. But for some reason, we're not there, not even in results, but just in the quality of this team right now. And I think that comes down to how we're playing these players. And I, I don't know what's going on in the background, but something is there in our attackers that I don't see in other teams. I was watching a lot of games last night just to, 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 to give myself, like, to wash my brain of what, what I saw of Minnesota United. I was watching Austin FC against LA Galaxy, you know, FC Dallas. You know, I was watching NYCFC the other day. And while they do have a lot of their issues, I feel like there's something more cohesive in those teams that's not being seen in this front four. And that's all I have to say about that. We can get into Minnesota United and more of that those issues, but some other time. But Jack, I, I, I talked a lot about, uh, about my grudge with Minnesota United because I've been thinking about that for quite a long time. But do you have anything else to say about that? I, I think you're, you're right that something has to change in that front office and the the common thread is does happen to be uh one adrian heath you know it it does that that's the only explanation because no matter how many different signings come in uh how many different formations we try and roll out how many different lineups we roll out the one continuity between all of them is adrian heath yeah no. so i mean it's crazy you know i i like statistics and i like data and you know they say correlation doesn't equal causation but when you have five and a half five and a quarter uh seasons worth of data points uh it starts to become pretty clear what the problem is yeah we are at the point where we have a very big sample size we we, we have samples from when he had so-and-so players to now we have a completely different set of players under different CEOs, Chris Wright into our new, uh, our new uh, CEO. We have different technical directors where he was, he, he is now the technical director versus Manny Lagos. Like so many different factors have changed. Allianz field to TCF bank stadium. All of these different factors have changed. And the one thing that has remained is a, relatively poor results to where we could be and i don't want to hear the excuse like oh we made the finals when we made the playoffs i i vehemently think that this team could be shooting higher i think we have the talent in this very parody driven league to do that and what's the other constant adrian heath inchi 
Inchi the manager. I, I, I don't know what else to say. We have a couple more games coming up. Uh, I, I believe our next game is at FC Dallas. Uh, yeah, at FC Dallas uh, next Monday. What? Okay. Is to, yeah, next Monday is not a, a Memorial Day, right? That's, huh, whatever. Next Monday, uh, no. Next, it, It's the Monday after. That's Memorial okay. Day. I don't, all right, cool. Or, wait, why is it saying Monday? It's sun, I, I'm guessing it's Sunday and it's showing up Monday. It's, for some sun, reason on it's Sunday against yeah, Dallas, yeah. I, I was going to say. And then we have uh, the the Union Omaha. I almost called them Union. That's not right. <laughs> Oops. They're in the Bundesliga now. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Uh, uh, but uh, Union Omaha in the Open Cup, which I I, I might try to go to. But th- that's I kind of want I kind of want to go to it too because it's an yeah. Open Cup game, you know. And I I think those two games are very important. One FC Dallas, we kind of get have to get some points eventually. And Union Omaha, I think that's a good reset point. Hopefully that's an easy win and we can get back to winning ways against tough opposition in NYFCFC and two away games, New England and Inter-Miami in close succession. And then, uh, dang, LA Galaxy right after that. So hopefully they get all that uh, figured out. Uh, I do want to say the reason why I think DJ Taylor has done pretty well is because he's been playing for Minnesota United FC 2, which is another... Uh, Minnesota team that I want to see gotta highlight them real quick because a lot of the reason why they're doing well is because you know a lot of them are senior players that are just getting fitness or there's they're players that have had professional experience before dunking on players that are literally like 15 16 but they have not lost a match uh in the past four five games yeah five games uh last two games have been draws but in MLS next pro there are penalty shootouts after you draw, and if you win, it's just like hockey, you get an extra point. So if you draw but win that penalty shootout, you get two points, which is actually pretty huge, and I think it's really, really cool for a development league. I don't want to see this in like the Premier League or MLS because that kind of cheapens draws, but I think it's a really good experience for these up-and-coming players to get penalty experience, which, as we've seen from the Euros and some other places, uh, some young players don't necessarily have. And we saw Fred Emmings, our 18-year-old goalkeeper, who is huge, uh, part a U.S. citizen, part Luxembourg international. Uh, but he had some huge saves, got some good experience. I'm really happy to see his development, as well as the likes of DJ Taylor and uh, Rosales. Aziel Jackson. There. Az- Aziel Jackson. He's who, been incredible. Yeah, he, he, he had a solo goal this past week against uh, uh, Houston Dynamo 2 where he basically did all the running, finished it off. Crazy, crazy good. Very fast. He's got to be in the first team soon. He has Great to. control. I, I think so, too. I, I, would, I would love to see him play against uh, Union Omaha. Love to see him play, especially because uh, Minnesota United 2, the game after, is going to be at home. So it's not like he has a, a, a game a plane to catch. He can stay here, play again on, on next exactly. Sunday. So I'm really excited to see him. Uh and we can move on to some other things, including another player for Minnesota United FC2 is uh, Emmanuel Iwe, who so happened to play, uh, play for Joy Athletic last season. And this is my uh, transition to talk about MPSL. Yes, yes. Uh, MPSL North, which is the conference that mostly encapsulate Minnesota. There's a Wisconsin team, Dakota teams. But yeah, it's a pretty heavy Minnesota conference just to go over the teams 
and the standings right now. We got Duluth FC on top, Med City FC in Rochester in second, Twin Stars FC, obviously in the Twin Cities third place, Minneapolis City uh, SC, which is the team that Jack and I both like. Jack happens to work there, even though he doesn't let that cloud his judgment, right, Jack? Right. Yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah. And I got the hat on. And I also yep. don't let that cloud my judgment. <laughs> uh, Joy Athletic or J- Joy St. Louis Park is, I guess they're called now, fifth place. Sixth place, Sioux Falls Thunder FC. I guess the last three, you can kind of guess who they're going to be if you ever follow MPSL North. It's going to be Sioux Falls, then Dakota Fusion, then LC Aris FC, the uh, Dakota teams, and then the uh, Lacrosse Aris FC team from Wisconsin. Again, like I said, it's a very Minnesota-heavy conference, both in terms of teams and just overall strength. And Jack, Minneapolis City played in MPSL. We'll get to their USL League 2 game in a little bit, but they played against uh, Duluth FC, away to Duluth FC up there, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, Minneapolis City won at the MPSL North Conference regular season title at Duluth FC, absolutely blew them out last season. And now they came back, and Jack, did they do it again? Did they blow out Duluth FC? Uh, no, they did not. Uh, no. They lost 2-0, to zero, which I believe is the first loss at Duluth, which, you know, by itself is actually pretty impressive, considering, you know, it's difficult to win every single time you play away right. at, at a stadium. But I believe that is the first time that we've lost at uh at Duluth but and and that, that's tough because it was a comprehensive loss two to zero they got to Dos Acero looking at the goals a, a lot of it well the first goal was was kind of weird I'll be I'll be honest it, it was a kind of defensive error I, I want to say it was pretty far out I, I I I'll be honest I didn't look at the yard marks as you can because you know they play on on football fields uh but I feel like a continuation from the games I've been seeing from Minneapolis City, the ones I could see uh, from streams, even going back to the U.S. Open Cup game, is a lot of defensive errors. And Jack, you can probably speak on this more uh, than me, but I feel like a lot of this comes from turnover from the last season. A, a lot of new faces from uh, some of the local colleges because NPSL uh, is a very, you know, college soccer player uh, heavy uh, league and so obviously you're going to get a lot of turnover this year more than uh, others we lost some of our key players goalkeepers captains uh, some very good attackers and strikers and those made up the crux of the dominant team last year and obviously when you couple that with the fact that you are effectively playing in two competitions this year that's got to add some strain and lead to some youthful mistakes. Would you agree? Yeah, it definitely does. Just a little bit. Uh, I mean, you know, you're you're still you're you're still doing okay, but losing yeah, club exactly. legend legend Matt Elder. You know, we've had him on the podcast. Uh, that that's a big loss. You know, because he was he was great in goal. Uh, Losing Max Stegwart, also a big deal because he was he held down the midfield uh, for for us, uh-huh. and it's been noticeable. Um, 
I'm going to I'm going to briefly break away from from the NPSL thing and talk because I went to their opener against Des Moines Menace. Like our midfield was all right, but you could definitely feel the hole that Max Stewart left there. Right. Like you could feel it like they we did not have as much control of the midfield as we normally would. Some of that might be against playing against, you know, the USL League two champions in that game. (laughs) But uh also, it's it seems like it's more than that. It, it seems like it has to be a little bit of, you know, that turnover really affecting the team. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I I don't think it's just turnover. I, I know I said turnover, but it it is also the fact that they are playing in, in two different competitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are very historically not just playing in MPSL North, but they have. Uh, a, a team in USL League Two, and it's not like it's like their first team in USL League Two and second team MPSL. They were very clear in making it uh, known that this is the same team. It just so happens to have like you know s- you know split players of relatively same quality playing in MPSL North and USL League Two. It's not a two team. It's just Minneapolis City SC playing two different competitions. Right. And so they, they, they have a very large player pool, but at the same time, you are still diluting that player talent pool a little bit. And I think that this is going to be an adjustment. And this is where I feel like now we can talk a little bit about USL League Two. Uh, they lost to reigning league champions, Des Moines Menace, uh, in the first game mm-hmm. of the uh, the conference that I am forgetting, it's in the central division. What was the actual conference called? Like Deep North or whatever it's called yeah, here. Uh, Deep North. That oh, wow. is that's what it's oh, called. Wow. Yep. I actually got it right. Okay, cool. Wow. I did not look I promise I didn't look that up. That was just a guess of, of what a soccer league would probably be called. Yeah, uh, well when, you, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. The Deep North Division, which comprises of Des Moines Menace, very, very historical team since the nineties playing in uh Iowa there. Peoria City, which I don't know too much about. It's, it's their first season in USL League yeah, 2 okay. as well. And yeah. they play in Illinois, I yep. believe. Peoria, of course. Uh, Minneapolis City, we were in third place. I was naming them off in order. Uh, St. Croix SC, also their first season in uh, a USL League 2. They're actually, I want to say like a, a youth club that's now adding a senior level team. And they play in Stillwater, Minnesota, which is for Minnesota's a beautiful city in the summer. They got a great... A malt bars there that I remember going to. Uh, they in, in the Deep North Division. There's also two Canadian teams which have yet to play. I want to say that might be some of the, the border issues. I don't know if they're gonna play each other. That's FC Manitoba and Thunder Bay Chill. Thunder Bay Chill, who I, I have known for a while. They are also a very uh, historic team. Uh, obviously, when you play against the league leaders, obviously when you have a very large road trip compared to what they're used to. Their lo- their largest road trip before was probably going to Sioux Falls to Fargo. Yeah, that that's I believe that's what um one of the two mats uh either uh, Van Benscoten or Elder said on when when we talked to them. I think Yeah. I think that was the the biggest thing. So, it was either that or Duluth maybe. Mm-hmm. But I, I yeah, still, but you know, they take a couple vans up there. Now uh, you could look at the, the pictures that uh, uh, Matt, the head coach, tweeted out. They, they took a bus, and they had to take a bus because they went to Illinois. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be going to 
you know, Iowa, or they have been. They're going to be probably going to Canada at some point. And these are big matches. And again, you're splitting up your player pool between NPSL North, where you're still playing against very powerful teams. Like, like Des Moines Menace is strong. Duluth FC is also very strong. You know, you, you lost 2-0 to zero to both of them. Of course, they're going to be strong. And I think it's going to be tough. Luckily, uh, Minneapolis City were able to get some points on the board against Peoria City. At Peoria City, right, Jack? Yes, at, at Peoria City. Yeah. And, and, because and they were was... playing here uh, tomorrow, actually. Yeah. And I, 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 I wish I can go. I wish I can go for real. But unfortunately, cannot. Jack, Peoria City, away. Stoppage time madness. Tell me about that. Yeah, well... Uh... It, it was it, it was uh, it was a pretty even match, actually. You know, uh, Peoria City struck first in the eighth minute. Minneapolis City fired back with Eli Goldman in the 23rd minute. Then Peoria City took the lead in the 54th minute and the 90 plus fourth minute. You know, there were four minutes of added time. Things were looking down. But Eli Goldman comes up and scores to get a brace and earn Minneapolis City a point from this really really good you know uh draw drawing away from home is never is never a terrible thing you know it could always be worse so uh that that was a that was a pretty good game from from him especially Eli Goldman and yeah do you want to know what's even cooler he had two what? shots two shots two goals yeah uh pretty good that that's i mean you can't get better than 100 percent efficiency so <laughs> yeah uh, for sure yeah that's that's pretty good yeah i i'm very happy to, to see that even if it you know is not a win it, it shows good movement coming out from that des moines menace loss and while i don't think it's going to be as successful as what we're used to as minneapolis city fans as minnesota soccer fans i still think that we're going to see some level of Success and improvement uh, from this uh, year as we go on further and further. And I'm, I'm really excited to see games against the likes of you know, St. Croix SC. That's very local. Very excited to see that. Peoria City when they come by. Uh, and we go to Des Moines Menace. That's going to be a huge, huge match. And Jack, this is where I want to talk about, you know, as we move on from this. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this as the season goes on. Because it's a short season. So it's not like we have to, you know, harp on it too long. But... I, w- I want to hear your predictions on these two divisions that Minnesota sports teams are going to be playing in. First with NPSL North. I list out the teams, but who do you have like finishing your top four? And keep in mind that what what just the the winner of this conference goes on to mm-hmm. the playoffs. I I think the top in NPSL North. I think Duluth are probably going to win the the conference this year. Mm-hmm. And then I think Minneapolis City can still get it done and get second at least. And then Med City in third. And then I I think I think Joy St. Louis, Joy Joy Athletic. They're they're mm. gonna finish fourth. I think I think it's gonna be those four teams who who do really well in this conference yeah. for, for NPSL North. All right, cool. And I, I asked that because I, I have I feel like the bottom four kind of sort themselves out in some way. Like I, 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 I could really see, you know, Twin Stars finishing fifth, and then 
the order that is right now, I could definitely see it finishing uh, with uh, Thunder, Fusion, and then Eris. Eris, I, yeah, I'm not going to say anything about them because it'll be too mean. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I definitely have Duluth FC winning. And part of that is because they just have so much firepower. And they recruit very well. They recruit sometimes out of state even. And when you compare that to a lot of other rosters, I think it's a lot more cohesive. I think year on year, they have shown improvement continuously. It just so happened that they came about in a time where Minneapolis City was also super, super dominant. So I think that now that they're able to spread their wings and fly, they will take that chance and they will they will soar. They beat Joy Athletic in the first week of the season, 6-0. to zero. Yeah. Joy Athletic, who I will say... I probably have either second or somewhere in there. I'll, I'll, I'll say, hmm. I, I, I will say second. I will say second. I, I think, yes, this loss does make them look bad, but they also were able to defeat uh, Thunder FC pretty heavily, 4-1. to one. And I, I, th I think, yes, they lost Iwe, who was was very very incredible for them uh last season but yet it's a young team but I, I think the experience that they got last year could get them up to second Minneapolis City I'll put in third just because again there's that there's the dilution of talent there's a bit of uh of a learning curve with dealing with USL League 2 as well as MPSL of Med City in fourth just because I still think they're a good team Med City's a very good team but I, I really believe in at least the top two teams, Luth FC and Joy Athletic. I, I, I see a lot of good things in them. <laughs> Jack, for USL League 2, I also think this might write itself, but who do you have winning in the Deep North division and like the, the order of, of those teams? I, I think Des Moines Menace are going to win this division. Oh, yeah. I do, see, I, I, when I went to the game, I made the mistake of sitting right next by, by accident. Because you you know the spot where we sat, right? I sat yeah. there, like good spot. Yeah, it, it's it's close to the ha to to the halfway line. Great spot, right? Right over the tunnel, I could say mm -hmm. wave high. Unfortunately, that's also where the um, I don't know what what's the right word for it. The Des Moines Menace Ultras, I guess, or the the yeah, super the, fans, the the, the the traveling uh squad for yep. Des Moines Menace was and there. They were few, but they were loud. Very I bet. and little got on my nerves a little bit uh you know just a little bit uh so that was an unfortunate spot to to sit in uh but yeah as much as i i don't want to say i think that who's stopping them in this division is my question not st croix i'll tell you that much yeah not not st croix probably unfortunately not minneapolis city it looks like from yeah. from the looks of that for, for of that first game Peoria City again, newcomer to League Two, so I I I don't see who really stops Des Moines Menace, and especially since we don't even we don't know enough about FC Manitoba and Thunder Bay Chill to even say anything about them. So that that's the tricky part about this. Like they could come out and and like wipe them somehow. I I guess I'd hope that'd be kind of cool. It, it would, but again, they've played no games, so I, I can't really say anything on it. Uh, but I think Des Moines first. I think I'm not going to, to say anything about the Canadian teams yet because I, I just don't know enough. Yeah. Right. How about, how about you just order order the, the top the top four as it currently stands? 
okay. the American teams. Des Moines Menace, Minneapolis City, Peoria City, St. Croix. That That's what I'm going with for the order. I agree as well. Okay. I, I, I think Peoria City, I, I liked what I saw when they played Minneapolis City. I, I, I think that's a, a very interesting squad. I think Minneapolis City SC's quality and depth and talent and experience takes them through despite the fact you know obviously you're, you're splitting time but they are going to be focusing on USL League, League 2 let's be honest like that's mm-hmm. the reason why uh, Matt is head coaching there not MPCL North they want to focus on this new venture at least not that they care about it more but it is the new league that they're in so they're going to put some more resources into that so I can definitely see them getting that second place spot there I'll, I'll be very happy I, I had a prediction before even any of the games started that Minneapolis City will not go to the playoffs for any of these leagues. U, uh, UPSL, I should say, pretty good chance, uh, still probably uh, for uh, the two-team futures team, whatever is down there. Uh, but MPSL, USL League 2, there's just, there's just at least one really dominant team in that division. And fortunately, Minneapolis City is not that. However, I don't regret this move, or why, why would I regret anything? I'm just a fan. <laughs> I don't think they are going to regret this move because of the fact that I think this is a really big deal that they're doing this. I think, A, this is really good for recruiting uh, Minnesota soccer players into joining their, their project, and B, it's good experience. And I think in a couple of years, those two factors are going to come into play, and they're going to start winning and dominating, and then they're going to... They're going to force their way to the top. Hopefully. Hopefully. All right, Jack. Let's finish this episode off by talking about a little team I like to call Minnesota Aurora. I, I think a lot of people like to call Minnesota uh, Aurora. I, 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 think, <laughs> I think at least 300 people who donated $1 million to support a Minnesota Aurora FC when they were doing their crowdfunding would like to call them Minnesota Aurora. First of all, before we even talk about any of the actual team, great badge, great name, great kits, great kits. Uh, I, I there's no way I don't pick one up. There's no way I don't pick up a sticker. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to fill this water bottle. Currently, I have Minneapolis City on the sticker. I want to get you know Aurora. I want to get uh probably Minnesota United eventually, and then Joy Athletic and any of the other uh Twin Cities clubs, but. Yeah, I mean, they got great branding. They got a great social media presence. If you haven't already checked out their kits, definitely go check that out. Uh, but for those of you who aren't into the Minnesota women's soccer scene, uh, not to say we are, we're just getting into this. It's a very fun path to be on. Uh, but they are a, a brand new women's soccer team. The first like women's soccer team of this level to be playing here in Minnesota. They're going to be playing in TCO Stadium, which is in Egan, Minnesota. Very, Very close, close to, to where we went to high school. Yeah, we went to high school. Uh, I, I will not be there during the summer because I have an internship here. And so literally last night I was trying to figure out if there's a good bike path to go all the way from Minneapolis. That to would be Eden. rough. That would be rough. And I'll be honest. It was like an, an hour and 30 minutes and there's some pretty heavy inclines. And I was like, ooh, maybe I'll just wait till I'm home one weekend and go. But yeah. Very, very exciting. They'll be, they're going to be playing in uh, the W League. I know I said 300. I should say 3,000 people. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to all the, the community owners for uh, Minnesota Aurora, uh, of which uh, and I know for a fact that some, some of the community owners listen to this podcast, so hello. 
but they play in the USLW League, which is going to be this, the second tier, actually, USL women's team compared to the USL Super League, which will start, I believe, next year. Uh, but they start May 2022. Very, very exciting. This, just end of this month, they'll start play in uh, their division, which I'm forgetting what the division's called because I can never... I'm gonna uh the North Conference is probably what it's going to be called because that's that that, that's that's how uh they they name their their conferences uh but they'll be playing against Green Bay May 26th I don't know why it had to be a Thursday I probably can't make it but I would love to go I'm I'm gonna try and make it (laughs) all right I'm glad you are. So one of us has to be there. I will definitely be there in their next couple home games against Chicago City. Oh, and what are these teams, you ask? Well, let me tell you. Uh, one of them is going to be, obviously, uh, a Green Bay. Green Bay Glory. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Caw, Caw Valley Lions. Oh, no. Just Caw Valley FC. Sure. Uh, who, I, I believe, do have a men's team. Uh, in the amateur world, which is kind of cool to see. Uh, Chicago City, uh, St. Louis Lions, who I'm also pretty sure have an amateur team in the men's world. And the Chicago Dutch Lions, that is the division that they're playing in. Very, very exciting. They got uh, eight, uh, I can't count, wow. Six home games they'll be playing. And Jack, what is the news with those home games? Is it possible for people who, like me, can't bike an hour and a half to TCO Stadium in Egan uh, to watch the game? Uh, Yes, it's very possible. And this is what I really love about this because it's amazing. It's literally amazing. It's awesome because unlike Minnesota United, which their games are honestly pretty inaccessible. Like I, I have an uncle who's a huge fan of the team. Can't watch him because he doesn't have Bali Sports North. And, and he, uh, I, I don't want to make any assumptions about uh, your family, but if you don't live within like the Twin Cities, you don't get CW, right. which is the over the air option. So, right. So, but you uh, also, I'm sorry, you also don't get ESPN Plus because that's blacked <laughs> out. So, yep. what do you do? I don't know. You're SOL, literally. Yeah. So, but what's awesome about Minnesota Aurora is WCCO, those of you in Minnesota already know what that means, but for those of you who aren't, uh, that is CBS in Minnesota. It is accessible to everybody because it is a local channel. So that's super awesome. It's not being blacked out as far as I know, right? Like, uh, I don't think it, it it can be. Really, so <laughs> That'd be crazy if they black it out. That, that would be. I, so it's just awesome that every single one of their home matches is going to be accessible. And guess what? That's going to get them a lot of fans because it's going it during the summer, you know, they, there's baseball and that that's it for it. And I guess basketball for Minnesota sports that's going on. Right. Yeah. And, and soccer. But now you're, you're adding in women's soccer into the mix here. You're adding in another option for people to watch. And given that it's so accessible, I can see a lot of people just saying, Hey, I want to check this out because, you know, they have it already. It's easy to it's easy to watch. So I I love this move. It's going to be great. It's it makes it really easy for people to be fans of the team. I love it, too. I wish there were more steady options for away games. But obviously, 
the nice thing about TCO is that it's ready made for TV pretty much. Like it's a it's a very nice stadium for those of you who haven't gone. Uh, I haven't gone either. I am sad to say that they picked the one like major stadium in the greater Twin Cities area that is not accessible through transit. Literally, if they picked any other like state, even like NSC National Sports Center, I could probably have made it through transit. Unfortunately, I'll have to wait till I'm back home to drive up there. But very, very excited. It's going to be a very accessible team, which is really awesome. Awesome, awesome to see. Uh, obviously, because Jack and I are not the biggest women's... Well, we, we are big women's soccer fans, but we're not in tune with the, the, the minutia of local soccer. We don't know a ton of the players. Uh, one of them is relatively famous. She won famous a, a year or two ago. It's uh, Sarah Fuller. A goalkeeper for Vanderbilt in the SEC who made headlines when she became the first ever Division One female football player. Uh, she, she, she was uh, a, a, a kicker. <laughs> she, 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 she was uh, uh, the kicker for a football game there. And Jack, actually, did you know that there's there is a defender who hails from our hometown? Really? I did not know about this. I did not know until I... Uh, did some dig, uh, deep digging into some of these players uh, a couple of uh, months ago, but Megan Dahl hails from our hometown defender who, uh, Jack, I don't know if you remember, we're, now we're going to talk about some, some very local Minnesota soccer, but in, I want to say 2018, uh, our high school made a run into the, the MSA, MSHSL uh, Women's Soccer Championship. We even played in U.S. Bank Stadium Still, thus far, that was that was one of two times I've ever been in that stadium, and it's to watch a soccer match. Very, very proud yep. of that. Uh, but she was one of our star defenders for that uh, that run into the playoffs, and that's she's there. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> she plays for uh, Bemidji, and we have some other players like uh, Mackenzie Langdock, uh, who I, I saw Lydia Rupert. Uh, I'm, I'm just naming off the ones that I, I did some. Uh, digging on but th those are players that uh two players I, I named are gophers university of minnesota twin cities let's go there's also you know players from the likes of bemidji st thomas uh uic depaul so schools from around the area and also around the midwest so while i'm i'm sorry to say i've not seen a lot of bemidji state uh, a lot of mankato state soccer I can't say that we'll be watching these games and definitely we'll be trying to go to some more gopher games next year as well yeah. because of this. Well, there's there there is another major thing that we need to talk about for Minnesota Aurora though. Yes. Because they're trying to choose a mascot right now. Um, did have you seen this? I have not, and I'm so excited to okay. hear what hold, you have hold to on. say. I I'm sending you this tweet right now so so you can okay. see it because you kind of need the visual to to see it. If if you're interested in looking at it, uh go to at Minnesota Aurora FC, I believe is the full name. Uh yep. They are accepting votes to for their future mascot. They have three options here. Oh, and I, I know what I'm picking. Oh, I love I them all. I love them all. Oh man. Okay. My so favorite one though. Can we describe them first? Yes, yes. Let, let's let's do that. So the first, the thing is that's awesome <laughs> about this Minnesota Aurora. The first comment on this asks, "What are they?" Which fair question. Uh, Minnesota Aurora responds, "That's up for interpretation." 
and I love that attitude. I love it. It's like a it. it's like gritty for uh, the Philadelphia <laughs> Flyers. Yeah. Like, what is he? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but what we've got, we've got like something that looks kind of like uh, Pete the Dragon. You know, you know. Uh, first, there are you, it's. Are you talking about the the left one or the right one? The left, they're both, the, okay, the okay. Left they one. both kind of look like dragons. A little bit, yeah. This one's like a little bit of a furry dragon. You yeah, know? he he has a star on his nose, or they they have a star on their nose. You know what? We're gonna yeah. we're not yeah. gonna presume anything. And then an orange tuft of hair on top. Uh, then the second option looks like a rabbit. It looks like I'm not sure. How, I I know you're a little bit of a Pokemon fan, uh, but. Oh, come on. Do you, of course. Do, yeah. Do you know Score Bunny? Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Is that <laughs> one of the newer ones? Yeah, one of the okay, newer ones. Okay, never mind, yeah. never mind. This looks like Score Bunny to me. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bunny with uh, some like some green stars around the eyes, an orange nose, a cool oh, headband. Score Bunny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> a cool headband, and then uh, an orange and green tuft of hair. And then the last one. This one, this one's a less like fluffy dragon. You know, a, a little less yeah. fluffy, uh, but has some uh, on the on the cheeks, a little bit of stars there. Uh, has a some, horn. Yeah, it has a has three horns, actually. Oh, wow. uh, and then it's got it's got a smile with two teeth and then it has a mohawk. It looks like yeah. on top. Uh, so, AJ, what is your gut reaction to these? What what what's your gut reaction telling you? OK, my I, I want to say my gut reaction was immediately not no to the bunny. Okay, <laughs> I, I I feel I feel like very, I'm not humanoid, but very like uh, common animal mascots have been done before. Whatever, let's do something unique. I immediately looked at the right, and I was like, "That's cool." But then I thought about it more, and I was I thought, "How crazy and cool would it be to just have like a dragon monster thing where you just don't know what it is? <laughs> like you look at the right, and like, oh, that's a dragon. You look to the left." And like the the Fozzie Bear looking <laughs> yeah, looking mascot, yeah, and you're like, yeah. like I have no idea what that is. It's kind of scary. I can definitely see people taking their child and the child like freaking out because they <laughs> they think it's like a monster from like Dragon Tales. If anyone remembers that yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. one, uh, or literally like a, a a Muppet. I want that. I want number one. I want I I want Fozzie Bear. We're on the same wavelength because yes, me, that is who I voted for. That is who I voted for right there. Yes. I love the hair at the top, the orange tuft that like curls over. It, it's great. It's great. And like you said, the fact that you can't tell what it is makes it even better. Yeah. That, that's, that's why people love Gritty. Uh, exactly. exactly. The mascot. Plus the star on the nose. Love it. I love yeah. it. I, I love and everything about it. Can you just imagine when all of the, the, the Minnesota mascots come together and it's like, you know, a lynx, yep. a wolf, a, a, a Viking man, a loon, <laughs> a gopher, and suddenly it's just a thing. <laughs> that's cool to me. That's, I can't wait for awesome. those pictures. I can't wait for those pictures. It, it's it's going to be awesome. I yeah. I I love it. It's I, I voted there. Uh, anyone else who's in Minnesota or who is just interested in this team who also wants to vote, uh, the link is in is in there uh, isn't on the Twitter. So, yeah, you know? go check that out. Go check out this team. We will be there. If you're in the Minnesota area, look for two people that look like podcasters. Oh, wait, that's going to be all of Minnesota because that's just kind of how Minnesotans look. Uh, but we'll be there. 
uh, go watch this team in person at DCL Stadium or, again, like Jack said, on WCCO for their home games. Or just stay in tune with them. Buy some of their merch. It's really, really good. I don't mean that lightly. Uh, there's a reason why their Twitter followers absolutely eclipse anyone else in the USLW League right now. Like, their branding is crazy good. Definitely go check them out. Very, very good club. So far, I don't know how they're going to do on the field. I want to say it's going to be good, considering that a lot of these players I've at least known about through like how they do in college, so fingers crossed. Uh, but we'll be covering them as well. And you know, we'll go to some games. We'll report on that as well. All right, Jack. Anything else Minnesota soccer that we're missing? Uh, USA Cup is coming up. I, I Okay, tangent. I'm definitely going to go try to, to watch some USA Cup. Uh, that's a, a local youth tournament. The biggest North yep. American youth tournament that gets held in North National Sports Center. Now that I'm going to be like a hop skipping away from that. So, yeah. I can't think of anything else, Jack. Anything else? I... Can't either, except that uh, our teams are awesome for the most part. Our, our our teams are awesome, except when they lose, but we love them anyways. anyway. <laughs> All right. Everyone, thank you for listening. Jack, where can they find us on the social medias? Uh, on social media, you can find us at Final Third Show. It's a great place, and because we're not in school, we can tweet more, yeah. uh, We, which we have been, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so... But we could always use more people on there to interact yes. with them because that's fun. Yeah, we, we both got pretty upset last night uh, during the Minnesota United game. For uh, different so, reasons. For, for different reasons. <laughs> but the angst was both there, you know, commiseration, all that jazz. All right. Also, finalthirdshow.com if you want a one-stop shop for all things Final Third. Uh, yeah, tell your friend about the show. I'm sure they'd love to hear about Minnesota United. Tell your dad about the show. I'm sure he would love to hear about Minnesota Aurora. We'll see you guys next Monday for our news and predictions episode, talking about uh, some of the crazy things that have happened this week in soccer already. We have Eintracht Frankfurt winning. We have the the uh, USWNT getting uh, equal pay. Got Manchester United doing Manchester United things. And we have the, the conclusion with the European ter- uh, seasons. So definitely go check that out. And we'll see you guys same time, same place for... Some deep dive episode yet to be seen what that will be. We'll see you there. All right. See ya. Bye for now.